I want to get right into the message today because I want to honor your time and your plans. And uh, I will, uh, I'm going to stay pretty close to my script today. I know the, I believe the Holy Spirit does uh, uh, prompt a speaker to go off script many times. And uh, uh, I don't think they're always a rabbit trail, though they are sometimes. <laughs> but uh, I want to stay pretty close to my script this morning because I feel like I want to get said what I believe God is saying today. And uh, the message is called, Some Things You Can't Do Quickly. Some Things You Can't Do Quickly. Proverbs 16.32 is our jumping off point. Better to be patient than a warrior. Let that sink in. Acts 2.42. When you get to the word devoted, underline it at least in your mind. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Frederick Nietzsche said this a long time ago, said a lot of things. We don't agree with him on a lot of things, but he was a great observer of the world. He said the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction, thereby results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living. Now, there's a lot of exciting things and not so exciting things that can happen quickly. You can fall in love quickly. We can question whether it's love. It is. It's called, psychologists call it limerence. And it's a state that they say at maximum can last about 16 months. You can become famous. Some people become famous overnight. Something happens, and all of a sudden, you're famous. You can change your mood quickly. Something can happen. I could say something right now. I could do something right now that would make you very upset, angry, happy. All emotions could change like that. I, you can change your location, especially in modern times. You can change your location very quickly. You can, you can get up in Mendon and wake up in Paris or, you know, or, or go to bed in Paris that same day. And it's funny that these days, many times I'll reach out to people, you know, I'll, I'll text them, whatever, and they'll say, hey, I'm in London, I'm in, I'm in Melbourne. I'm in. You can change your location very quickly. You can, you can uh, quit a toxic relationship very quickly. I know some of you don't think you can, but you can, you can end it. You can get rich quickly. It happens all the time. People get rich very quickly. They didn't know they were sitting on oil or whatever. You can also mess up your life very quickly. You can screw things up really quickly. <laughs> Suddenly is one of my favorite biblical concepts. This whole God story series is all really about the sudden appearances of God. The quick things that happen in our life. Coincidences that are divine. Genesis' recording of creation was suddenly. Abraham was suddenly prompted to leave Ur of the Chaldees and travel to Palestine. Jacob was suddenly given the identity of blessed in the place of deceiver. One day he introduced himself as Jacob. In other words, he introduced himself as, Hi, my name is deceiver. The next day he introduced himself, Hi, my name is blessed. Because he had a wrestling match with God. And they both won. That's the way it is with God. Uh, Jacob, 
was changed. Joseph was suddenly transported from Pharaoh's prison to Pharaoh's palace. Just like that. One day. Moses suddenly showed up to start the process of delivering the nation of Israel from the Egyptian bondage. Jesus suddenly came proclaiming God's kingdom after 400 years of nobody hearing from God. And of course there's the famous suddenly in the Bible. Perhaps the most famous is at Pentecost. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. So the Holy Spirit, and I don't know how much you know about that story and what Pentecost, but most of you grew up somewhat religious, so you celebrated Pentecost Sunday. I don't know if you know what it meant, but it meant that the Holy Spirit came to do the work of Jesus in the earth. Then uh, one of the most, probably the most impactful apostle was Paul, and suddenly he met Jesus, and he went from being a persecutor of Christians to being a preacher of Christ, like that. So good things can happen suddenly. I don't want to lose that childlike wonder of sudden grace and divine coincidence. I don't want to lose that belief that in this service right now, something could happen wonderful to your life that you could never be the same again. I don't want to lose that. However, there are certain very important and irreplaceable things in our lives that cannot come quickly. You cannot quickly become physically healthy. You cannot take these pills and you'll be healthy. Go to the gym one time, you'll be buffed. You cannot quickly become emotionally mature. You can't. Some of you have worked on it. Some of you don't care to work on it. You have anger management issues. You get better over time. You'll find yourself relapsing and relapsing less often if you work at it and you get the right kind of help. It, uh, unless it's a demonic deliverance kind of situation, which some of you could use that. <laughs> I promised I wouldn't go on a rabbit trail, but it's, it's so tempting. <laughs> uh, you can't quickly build a rich, deep, and rewarding relationship with another person. You're not going to take somebody you never met to lunch today and be incredible friends that can count on each other at the end of the day. It takes months, years, to develop deep, rich, rewarding relationships. You can't master a skill quickly. You know, no one's ever gone to a single biology class and then been competent at brain surgery. Never happened. No, no one's ever learned chopsticks on the piano and then the next day, been a piano virtuoso. It never happened. No, one, no one's ever become a great athlete. I don't care what kind of natural skills they have. No one ever went out and became instantly a great athlete. You can't, you can't develop skills quickly. You can't become a great carpenter. You can't become a great computer programmer. None there. It's impossible. It doesn't happen. There are miracles, but we call them miracles because they're not normals. You cannot quickly build a family legacy. 
You can't just, oh, we're going to go to that parenting forum and we're going to be an incredible family after that. No. It takes time, success, failure, trial, error. It's messy as everything. We cannot quickly become a great church. According to many people who study these sort of things, it takes 75 years to become a great church because you need three generations. You've heard of the third generation curse. You've got to get past the third generation that usually does not continue the values of the first generation. It takes 75 years. It takes three generations to become a great church. So let's go back to Acts 4, to, for, uh, uh, 2.42 and consider this phrase, devoted to. To be devoted to is what motivates that phrase that Nietzsche used, long obedience in the same direction. And one of my favorite people in the world was Eugene Peterson. How many of you ever read the Message Bible? The Message Bible. I, the rest of you should read the Message. It's really great. Eugene Peterson was a great pastor and a mentor of pastors. And one of his favorite books that he wrote that I read years ago was Long Obedience in the Same Direction Based on Nietzsche's Sentence. And so when I look at Acts chapter 2, and I will at the end of the message, I want to go back to that and actually set the scene a little better for you, what was happening there in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. But you see a group of Christians, who, although they had had this sudden thing happen, the sudden appearance of the Holy Ghost, and every tongues of fire lighting up on each of them, they didn't try to reproduce Pentecost every day. They didn't try to even reproduce it every Sunday. Instead, they consigned themselves and devoted themselves to four habits that became a part of their lives. They met day to day in the temple and from courts to court, uh, house to house, continuing in the apostles' teaching, in the breaking of bread, and in communion and prayer. People can see who know you, who know us, can see what we're devoted to. You can fake interest, but you can't fake devotion. If you've read Malcolm Gladwell, a brilliant writer, thinker, he talks about the 10,000-hour rule. He says, the 10,000-hour rule says that if you look at any kind of cognitive complex field from playing chess to being a neurosurgeon, we see this incredibly consistent pattern that you cannot be good at that unless you practice for 10,000 hours, which is roughly 10 years, if you think about it, four hours a day. You know, you don't, like I said earlier, you don't, I don't know how he becomes such a sought-after brain surgeon. Said no one ever. <laughs> I, I don't know how they have such a great marriage. They, they, never, they, never go, they never do anything together. I don't know. They never, they never seem nice to each other. How do they have such a great marriage? The, I don't, they are such, I don't know how they're such a great athlete. I have no idea how that kid became a great athlete. I have no idea. I watched him his whole life. I have no idea how, how that happened because he played video games all the time and, and ate Snickers. <laughs> I have no idea how they become such a great Christian. I, 
I never saw him. I never saw him go to church. They never, I never heard of them reading their Bible. I have no idea how they became such a great person of faith. When Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, was assigned to be an embedded reporter at the new church of Jerusalem, he saw that they were devoted to those four things, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, doing life together, communion, which is, was more than a, 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 a piece of bread and a cup. We'll talk about that more next Sunday. No, we believe in that, by the way. We're going to do that. Because that's something you you really desire, and I and I'm, I'm 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 and I agree with you. But but it was more than that. They they were they were they had meals in each other's homes. That was what they call communion. And prayer. So you can't fake, you cannot fake. Your devotion. People who know you now, people who don't know you, maybe you can. But people who know you, anybody that could look at your checkbook register, whether it's digital or hard copy, will know what your priorities are. They will know what you're really about. Anybody who actually knows your schedule will know what you're devoted to. Anybody who knows your practices and your habits will know what you're devoted to. You can't fake devotion. Secondly, to be devoted to a thing, you must be willing to make mistakes and do it badly. Malcolm Gladwell said, practice isn't the thing you do once you're good. It's the thing you do that makes you good. One of the most important pieces of advice that I learned from Jordan Peterson was that when duty calls you to do something and you feel inadequate, or empty-headed, go ahead and do it badly. From that advice, I stop staring at blank pages for more than a few seconds when I prepare a sermon. I now refuse to stare at a blank page. I will start typing whatever is coming to my mind. It's, it's amazing how you get to the second page, the third page, and things are coming that you didn't even know were inside of you. You knew things. Things are coming that you didn't even know that you knew. Things are coming. It's, it's, it, I, I believe it's divine. I believe, our, I, I believe the Bible says faith without works is dead. And I believe when we begin to work, God, it activates God. That's what I believe. I believe when we, when, we begin, when we begin to do something about what we believe and not just talk about it, and we begin to actually activate, then I believe it activates heaven. I believe the powers of the Holy Spirit be, become activated when you begin to act. <laughs> Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 15 if you want to ever study those two chapters, it illustrates the inadequacies and wrong ways of thinking that the early church had. They didn't wait till they got all straightened out to begin to be devoted to those four major things. We find in Acts chapter 15 that they had a lot of biases, a lot of prejudices, that, 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 that they were actually trying to impose Judaism 
So that was several years went by. We don't know exactly how many years went by between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 15. But we know in Acts chapter 15 they had to have a whole council and get everybody straightened out. Now what if they would have waited until everybody got straightened out before they became a great church? That church grew to 200,000 and they were doing some things badly. If you go to Acts chapter 10, you see Simon Peter, one of the primary leaders of that church, I mean, he was so messed up, he thought only Jewish people could go to heaven. And yet God used him mightily because God didn't wait till he got straightened out to use him. God didn't cancel him because he had some really bad ideas. Because God is the God of all grace. <laughs> God is the God of all grace. By the way, most of us, uh, well, I, let me give you a, a great quote here by Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. He said, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched it too late. That's good. By the way, most of us could learn from our mistakes if we weren't so busy denying them. <laughs> anyway, get going making mistakes. The first sounds you make on your instrument are going to be horrible. It's going to sound like two cats on a clothesline. The first draft of your essay is probably going to be your worst. Your first speech, you'll want to forget it. I want to forget my first sermon. I tried to, I remember one of my first sermons, I, do, I don't remember most of it, but I, I tried to sound like a very famous evangelist whose name I won't mention. <laughs> Boy, that was, I want to I, I can still remember it was in West Texas at a little church out there. Oh, my goodness. I may not be the greatest preacher, but boy, I'm, sh I'm sure better than I was then. <laughs> but what if I'd have said, I want to wait till I feel comfortable up there. I want to wait till I know myself and my own style and what works for me. I had to get there by trying to act like this other guy. That's how I had to get there. Because when you first start speaking about anything that you're studying, it is not your truth yet. And I, and I know the term, your truth, gets, I, I don't like the way it's used in the culture today, but nevertheless, you know what I mean. You don't own that truth, is a better way of saying it. You don't own that truth at first. You start reading stuff, I do it all the time. I start studying something and I'll start regurgitating it, but it's a while, it takes, it takes months, years before I begin to own it. And I, and I begin to be able to say it in my words. In the words, that, in, but you got to, you got to, if I can be a little crude, uh, and maybe somebody will be upset, I guess, but you know what, here's the language everybody uses today. You got to suck at it. <laughs> For a while. <laughs> Did I get your attention? Some of the famous speakers say you have to use profane words in order to get people's attention in the 21st century. <laughs> I'm, I can't go there, though. We can't do that. That's as far as I'm going. <laughs> Finally, there's a limit to what you can be devoted to. So choose wisely. The pressure right now is to do everything, have everything, be everywhere, make sure your kids have everything. Make sure they're in every program. 
or they might not be well-rounded if they're not doing five activities in every season. <laughs> Make sure they experience everything and go everywhere. But it's grading against our ability to choose what will matter 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, or 100 years from now. From now on, and, and you know, c- commercial interests know that leaving you alone will put them out of business. So they're always trying to sell you a new product, a new experience, a new thing. All that the pressure is enormous. Johan Hari, from his excellent book, Lost Connection, writes, Advertising people have been admitting since the 1920s that their job is to make people feel inadequate and then offer them products as a solution to the sense of inadequacy they have created. It's no, boy, this is profound, it's no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a sick society. Let's go back to Acts 2.42. Dr. Luke was able to observe that the first church, a church that grew to 200,000 members in the city of Jerusalem, had only four things it was devoted to. No one has ever done anything great and lasting that didn't focus and shut out the noise of what everybody else says you ought to be doing. Finally, life's greatest rewards come at the end of long periods of devotion. One aspect of the world, this is Eugene Peterson who wrote the book, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, and the Message Bible that so many of you haven't read and it breaks my heart. But you're going to fix that this week, right? How many are you going to fix that this week? You're going to go read the Message Bible. It's a, it's a paraphrase. You can't take it. It's not true to the Greek and Hebrew languages. It's a guy's in his own words. Here's what he said, though. One aspect of the world I've been able to identify as harmful to Christians is the assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired at once. We assume that if something can be done at all, it can be done quickly and efficiently. Our attention spans have been conditioned by 30-second commercials. Our sense of reality has been flattened by 30-page abridgments. He goes on to say, For recognizing and resisting the stream of the world's ways, there are two biblical designations for people of faith that are extremely useful, disciple and pilgrimage. What if your life becomes a pilgrimage? That's key. I want to show you some pictures of a very beautiful building, perhaps the most beautiful building in the world. Does anybody recognize this? This is the cathedral Cologne Cathedral in Cologne, Germany. And I just want you to see how beautiful. This is, this is an amazing. I, I, after, after preparing this sermon, it's on my bucket list. I want to go see that place. It's really believed, and, and there's, there's some good evidence, that the three wise men are buried here. They went and found bodies in Italy that they believe are the three wise men, and they buried them somewhere Probably in the basement. <laughs> no, a backyard. That much of a backyard. Isn't that incredible looking? How many, how, does anybody here know how long it took to build the Cologne Cathedral? Anybody know? Huh? I heard somebody. What? 600 years. It took 600 years to build the Cologne Cathedral. Now you can throw up a prefab building. How quickly can I throw up a prefab building, Mike? Six days. Six days. Six hundred years. Can you imagine the guy who laid the first foundation stone? 
he, he knew he would never live to see what he produced. They lost 200 years with the Reformation. <laughs> they, got, they got put in a hole for 200 years. Do you want to build something beautiful? Do you want to build a beautiful family that lasts for generations, that transmit the values of God and the Bible and goodness and virtue for children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren? Are you just okay with just make me happy today? Do you want to be a great person? Do you want to have a great impact? John Maxwell has always been one of my favorite uh, leaders. He teaches leadership better than anybody I, I know. Um, we used to do the John Maxwell uh, simulcast here for several years. And um, recently he made a very uncharacteristic statement because he's a leadership guy. He's a motivational guru. He's all that, you know. He, you've heard me tell the story about meeting him and with my students a few times. And he, 12 irrefutable laws of leadership, developing the leader within. He's not a guy who comments on the culture or the society or certainly not a, not a political guy. So when he says something like this, it caught my, catches my attention. Some people, you expect them to say these kind of things. But he said recently, just in the last few weeks, our world is in trouble. Our country is in trouble. We have lost our way. I'm leadership sad. Interesting. Our text in Acts chapter 242, hang with me, which depicted a community of people who committed to disciplined devotion, practicing the teaching of trusted spiritual leaders, doing life together with other Christ followers, celebrating meals together as they commemorated Christ's death, and prayer heard a similar message 2,000 years ago they heard a similar message about the world then. And this is overlooked. I've never heard it mentioned in a sermon. Simon Peter gets up after preaching the gospel and 3,000 people responded to say, we want to follow Christ. But here's what he told them. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Or in the words of the author of Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Jude, Eugene Peterson, he went on in this vein for a long time, urging them over and over, get out while you can. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. <laughs> I'm not going to try to unpack those words at all today. But I want you to let that sink in. Remember our text, better to be patient than be a warrior. There's a tendency when things are going badly we want to use force to fix them. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's the thing to do. I'm not suggesting that there may not be battles that are important, that are peculiar even to our democracy. But that early church's, uh, listen to me, that early church's primary responsibility to societal corruption was to become devoted to the long range project 
of being a devoted company of believers who at that critical junction in their culture didn't choose to live in panic, but panic, but started following Jesus together, started practicing long obedience in the same direction. They started playing the long game. They started building the spiritual cathedral. Out of their practices, now listen, out of their practices came the Christian doctrines of intentional parenting. Committed monogamous marriage. A balanced directive of simultaneously speaking truth to power while respecting and submitting to authority. I could go on and on about the beauty that came out of that devoted community who in spite of the fact that their savior and friend had just been executed unfairly and I'm sure that somebody wanted to file a lawsuit for the corrupt investigation that had found Jesus guilty. I'm sure that that was in the air. No, not really, because of the, you didn't do that in those days. But nevertheless, it didn't matter. They decided to start following Jesus in their practices, and they decided that some things can't be done quickly. But the great things can be done eventually if you will be faithful. God is not primarily calling us to be successful. He's primarily calling us to be faithful. I said God is not primarily calling the church to be successful. God is primarily calling the church to be faithful. Some of you under the sound of my voice need to commit or in some cases recommit to following Jesus in the basic disciplines ordained and contained in Acts 2.42. You've lost your way, but today the Lord is calling you back to simply living as His follower and ignoring the noisy culture that's distracting you from the simple practices that will take us to heaven, the eternal home version of heaven and the restored earth version of heaven. Can I pray for you? And will you consider long obedience in the same direction? I want you to bow your heads. And I, I don't really understand it, but there seems to be some shift in the spiritual world when people come forward to be prayed for and to be prayed with. And so I want to do that this morning. I just want to take it. it we're not going to do it long, maybe three or four minutes. I want the people in this room who say, God is speaking to me right now. And God is telling me that I need to get committed. I need to get committed to the practices of the Christian life. I need to get committed to the practices of the Word of God. I need to com get committed to the wisdom of God. And while I will always be a consumer, I will always be someone who wants something quick, I'll always be, want some, always be something that's not wrong. It's not wrong to want something quick. It's not wrong to want something to be good. It's not wrong to want something to be pleasurable. But I will add to my life faithfulness. I will add faithfulness as a part of my practice and not just consuming. So if that's what you're saying, just jump out of your seat quick. Come up here. Let's stand and let's close the service with a prayer of dedication. Come on.
some of you that are coming up here, you got some big stuff going on in your life, hard stuff going on, stuff that you want, you want to know, how can I fix this now? How can I fix this today, Pastor? How can I fix this this week? And I, I'm, I'm open to a revelation of how that could happen for you. How that thing that you're stressed about could be fixed today. And for some of you, there is something. There is a miracle in your week. But for every one of you, let me tell you something. When there's not a miracle, it doesn't mean there's not a plan. Do you hear what I said? When there's not a miracle, it doesn't mean there's not a plan. And what I want to invite you to do is get in the plan. Start doing God's plan and let Him worry about the magical, the miracle, the supernatural because you can't control it anyway. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for my friends who came up here today to just be honest that they're not exactly where they need to be. But they want to move to that place. I pray, God, that you will meet them, first of all, with grace. If they're being met with shame and guilt, that's not you. That's another spirit. So I pray that they will meet the spirit of grace, the spirit of love, the spirit of support, the spirit of power. And I pray, God, that you will show them this week, today, the things, the disciplines, the practices that are going to begin to be part of their lives regardless of whether they feel like it or not. Regardless of whether it's convenient or not. Regardless of whether all their friends are doing it or not. Regardless of whether it's cool or not cool or popular or not popular. They're going to begin to do the practices that are historically have worked for six or seven thousand years of recorded history. Thank you, God. Would you all stand? And could we just lift hands to God and thank Him for His great wisdom and presence? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you with all my heart. God, I want to please you. I want to serve you. I want to practice long obedience in the same direction. God, we're not going to quit because you didn't quit. We're going to surrender, as the song said a while ago, because Jesus, you surrendered. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, man, I feel the presence of God in this room. God bless you so much. I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to let you go, though. Thank you for responding. Have a great day. Love Jesus. Start long obedience in the same direction.